welcome back to Heating Up, the podcast where we talk about climate change in the Midwest. I'm your host, Emily Fisher. I'm joined by Shannon Raisler, professor of law at the University of Iowa College of Law. Her scholarship focuses on environmental justice, environmental governance, climate change litigation, and land use. And today we're continuing our Culture of Cultivation series, talking about climate policy and how it relates to agriculture in Iowa. Thank you for joining me, Professor Raisler. I want to start off by making sure we're all on the same page as to what climate policy is and how it's passed. If we're focused in on environmental issues, land use issues, and agriculture, those are often matters of administrative law at the state level, right? So there will be state statutes that govern this that are passed by the legislature, and then there will be state agencies like the Department of Natural Resources that pass rules and regulations under those statutes. Some of those regulations will mirror or, um, in fact, incorporate federal standards, right? But federal environmental law largely leaves land use to the states, and agriculture really is a land use matter. Uh, So you mentioned the difference between state and federal involvement as far as land use and agriculture, but what about local governments? Like, what about, example, like Lynn County or Iowa City? What roles do they have? So it can depend, So local governments get their lawmaking authority from the state, which means the state can also take it away. Let's just take one example, pesticide use. There are some federal laws about which pesticides get approved for the market and how they're labeled. But then again, it's largely left to the states. And some states have taken away local authority to regulate in this area. So let's say you're Iowa City, and you would like to ban the application of pesticides or herbicides in city parks, you can't because the state of Iowa has preempted that authority, right? Iowa is among the states that have have said it's a matter of state law, not local law, right? So it depends on the the topic um, you're looking at. Now, when it comes to zoning, right? Which areas are zoned agricultural and which areas are zoned industrial, which areas are zoned residential? That is largely the purview of local governments. They have a lot of control about uh, over that. Okay, so going back to what you said about pesticide use, in our last episode of Heating Up, Dr. Schwartney talked about regimate, which is a chemical that farmers use to regulate pig mating cycles. But scientists don't know much about the chemical, its health impact on humans, or how it enters the environment. So how are agricultural chemicals approved, especially chemicals where we don't fully know their impact on human health? Yes, well, I mean, EPA does have a gatekeeping role in, in allowing things onto the market, but it depends on industry and the studies that are done by industry to gauge whether it is safe for its intended application. What we often don't know when pesticides and fungicides and herbicides go on the market and are used we don't know about the long term. So it's a kind of cost benefit analysis. Any chemical is going to have some potential risk, right, um, once it gets into the water. So one of Iowa's main environmental challenges is agricultural runoff, polluting waterways. And this impacts everyone in Iowa because it affects our recreation areas and our drinking water. So what can or is being done in terms of policy? Is this really an individual problem or is the state taking action? Uh, this is a very difficult problem. You know, there is a, there's a small role for the federal government 
when you have um, a very large factory farm, a confined animal feeding operation with lots and lots of, of animals, they might be a point source discharger under the Clean Water Act, and then they'll need a federal permit. But that is a small percentage of the overall factory farms. That leaves it to state regulation, right? So they, they have to get permits. They have to submit a nutrient management plan, right, and show that um, their land application of the manure will not run off into waterways. The problem in Iowa is just, we have so much. As a reminder to listeners, in our first podcast, we talked to Dr. Sylvia Secchi, and she told us about University of Iowa researcher Chris Jones, who estimated that the pigs in Iowa alone produce the waste equivalent of 83 million people. Meanwhile, there are only 3.2 million people in Iowa. And so when it rains, water carries this waste into our lakes and streams. And we want to reduce this runoff, but we can't do that without knowing its source. And Professor Raisler said that in 2017, federal regulators didn't have an accurate map of farm locations throughout Iowa. There was some federal pressure to go and find all the farms, and they found something unexpected. 4,200 previously unknown facilities. So some of these facilities are not even permitted by the state. They're just flying under the radar. So if you can't monitor it, you can't really know. You just can't draw causal arrows. You can't say it's that factory farm. You especially can't do that if you don't even know it's there. What we do know is that our water has way too much nitrogen and phosphorus. And those are nutrients that come from animal waste. When you think about just how many of these factory farms, you know, the kind of scale we have animal agriculture here, it's just a very difficult problem from a policy standpoint, right? The industry is big. They provide a lot of jobs because they have material wealth. They can lobby our state legislature in a very directed way to make sure that they are not burdened by further regulation. And the people who experience, right, the costs of that pollution, those costs are diffuse. And that's always an issue in environmental policy, right? So we we often talk about making industry internalize those costs, but it doesn't always work out that way through the political process. Are there climate policies currently that encourage or incentivize sustainable farming practices? We do have policies out there, policies that encourage conservation. But when you're competing with such a big industry and one one that's so entrenched, I mean, you not only have to convince farmers that it's going to be worth their while to make radical changes, but you've got to invest the money, right? It's got to be there. Um, And you could argue that that kind of subsidy, right, isn't just about farming. It's it's, It's an investment. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, or USDA, has some programs for farmers to incorporate more sustainable practices. Much of their outreach focuses on educational strategies and assessment tools, but they do support pilot programs that incentivize climate-smart agricultural practices. They also encourage no-till farming, crop rotation, and cover crops. But farmers and nonprofits are pushing for their state government to provide more support for sustainable farming practices. The 2020 Iowa Farm and Rural Life Poll showed that 81% of farmers in Iowa believe in climate change and want to incorporate more sustainable practices. However, they need support from the state government to afford these practices. Uh, The hard part, of course, and and I think one of the the hardest things in in Iowa is, at least from the standpoint of animal agriculture, right, a lot of that is 
highly integrated and concentrated and corporate at this point. I mean, there are f- small farmers, but they're, they're often being paid by bigger corporations. Thank you so much, Professor Raisler. Last question for you. Is there anything else that you want to add that you think is important for this conversation? So one thing we have to think about here in Iowa at the local and the state level, right, is just how much worse climate change (laughs) will make all of the problems we already have. So the nutrient pollution in the waters, right, it's going to get worse because when we get rain, we get a ton of rain all of once. Right, that's the nature of climate change. So increased flooding and then more drought, which dries out the soil and makes it more susceptible to runoff when it does rain like crazy. So climate change will exacerbate the problems that Iowa really does need to address when it comes to agriculture and water. If we're planning, if we're planning for the future, we have to think through that lens. You know, right now at the federal level, legislation, and actually even in the infrastructure bill, there will likely be federal money coming to the states to carry out various climate initiatives. We're in a moment where it's going to be harder for state and local governments to say we don't have money. Even the COVID relief packages funneled a lot of money to local and state governments. So If people want to lobby their representatives, one thing they can ask for is, you know, when you are doing the budget, when you're thinking about how to spend this federal money, these are our priorities. That was Shannon Raisler, professor of law at the University of Iowa. And that wraps up our Culture of Cultivation series, but stay tuned for future episodes. This has been Heating Up, the podcast that talks about climate change in the Midwest. I'm your host, Emily Fisher. Thanks for listening.